Owens of Email Podcast Show. J. Alan Heidnick, H-Y-N-K, the astronomer who first classified UFO close encounters. In September 1947, the U.S. Air Force had a problem. A rash of reports about mysterious objects in the sky was public, had a public on the edge, and military baffled the Air Force needs to figure out what's going on fast. It launches it in investigation, calls it Planet Sign. By early 1948, the team realises it needs some outside expertise to shift, shift through reports it's receiving, especially an astronomer, determine which cases are easily explained by astronomical phenomena, such as planets, stars and meteors. For J. Allen Heinick, then a 37-year-old director at Ohio State University Macmillan Observatory. It would be a classic case of being in the right place at the right time, or he may have occasionally lamented the wrong place at the wrong time. Heinrich had worked for the government during the war, developing new defence technologies like first radio-controlled fuse, so he already had high security clearance and was a natural to go to. One day I had to visit a visit from several men from the Technical Centre at Wright Preston Air Force Base, which was, 60, which was only six away, miles away in Dayton. Heinrich wrote later, with some obvious embarrassment, that men eventually brought up the subject of flying sources and asked me if I could care to serve as a consultant to the Air Force on the matter. The job didn't seem as though it would take too much time, so I agreed. Little to Hedrick reliance that he would bet them again, a lifelong obviously that make him one of the most famous at the times controversial scientists of the 20th century. Nor could he have guessed how much this honed thinking about UFOs would change over the period that he, he persisted in bringing rigorous scientific inquiry to the subject. I had scarcely heard of the UFOs in 1948, like any other scientist I know. Assumed they were nonsense, he called. Project Sign ran for the new year, during which the team reviewed 237 cases. In Heydrich's final report, he noted that 32% of the incidents could be attributed to astronomical phenomena, while another 35 had other explanations such as balloons, rocket flares, or birds. Of the remaining 33%, 13% didn't offer enough evidence to yield an explanation. I left 20% that provided investigators with some evidence, but still could not be explained. The Air Force was loath to use the term unidentified flying object, so the mysterious 20% was simply classified as unidentified. In February 1949, Project Sign was succeeded by Project Grudge. While Sign offered at least a pretense of scientific objectivity, Grudge seems to have been dismissive that for a start, just as the angry sounding name suggests, Hendrick had played no role in the project work. Said it look, took it took as its premise the UFO simply could not be. Perhaps not surprising, its report issued at the end of nineteen forty nine concluded that Fulman posed no danger to the United States, but resulted from mass hysteria, deliberate hopes, mental illness, or conventional objects that that the witnesses had misinterpreted as out of worldly. It suggested the subject wasn't worth further study. That might have been the end of it, but UFO incidents continued 
involving some puzzling reports from the Air Force own radar operators, and national media began treating the phenomenon more seriously. Life magazine did a, did a 1952 cover story, leaving away the respected TV journalist, journalist Edward R. Murrow, devoted a program to the topic, including an interview with Kenneth Arnold, a pilot, whose, 19, whose 1947 sighting of mysterious objects over Mount Rainer in Washington state popularized the term flying saucer. The Air Force had little choice but to revive Project Grudge, which soon modified the more benignly named Project Bubok. Heineck joined Project Bubok in 1952 and remained with it until its demise in 1969. For him, it was a, a side gig as he continued to teach and pursue other non-UFO research at Ohio State. In 1960, he moved to West Northwest University in East Eastern Illinois, in, in Il Illinois, I N I L L I N O I O S, to chair its astronomical program department. As before, Hadrick role was reviewed was to review the reports of UFO sightings, determine whether there was a logical astronomical explanation. Typically, that involved a lot of unglamorous paperwork, but now and then, in a simply puzzling case, he had a glance at the chance to get out of the field. There, he discovered something he might have been, never learned from simply reading the files, how normal the people were reported to seeing UFOs tended to be. The witness I interviewed could have been lying, but it could have been insane or could have been hallucinating collectively, but I don't think so. He recorded in his 1977 book, A Hendrick UFO Revolt. They're standing in a community, their lack of motive for perpetuation of the hoax, their own puzzlement and the turn of events, they believe their weakness, and often their great reluctance to speak of experience all lends a subject reality to their UFO experience. For the rest of his for the rest of his life, Hendrick had deplored the ridicule, the ridicule that people who, who reported UFO sightings often had to endure, which in case in turn caused untold numbers of others never to come forward. It wasn't just unfair to the individuals involved, but it meant a loss of data that might have been useful to researchers. Given the controversial nature of the subject, it's understandable that both scientists and witnesses were reluctant to come forward, said Jacques Vallee. Co-author with Dr. Hendrick of the Edge of Reality, a progress report on universal flying objects. Because the life is having, going, going to change, there are cases where their home is broken into, people throw stones at their kids, these are family crises, divorce and so on. You become the person who has even something that, every, that other people have not seen. <coughs> There's a lot of suspicion next to that. Sorry, better cough. Eyes in the sky and Soviets. <coughs> in the late 1950s, the Air Force faced a more urgent problem than hyper-focal UFOs. October 4th, 1957, the USSR surprised the world by launching Sputnik. First artificial space satellite and a serious blow to America's sense of technology superiority. At that point, Hendrick had taken leave from Iowa State to work on a satellite tracking system 
a Harford notes Mark O'Connell in his 2017 biography, The Close Accounts of the Man. Sonny Henrik was on TV and holding frequent press conferences to show Americans that the scientists were closely monitoring the situation. On October 21st, 1957, appeared on the cover Life with his boss, the Harvard astronomer Fred Whipple, and his colleague Don Leifman. It was the first taste of natural therapy, but it wouldn't be his last. The post-magnetic spirits circling the Earth for every 98 minutes, often visible to the naked eye, many Americans began looking skyward in the UK, UFO sightings continued unabated. By the 1960s, Hendrick had emerged as the nation's, perhaps the world's, top expert in UFOs, quoted widely in his capacity as scientific consultant for Project Blue Book. Behind the scenes, he, chaffed, he was chuffed at what he perceived as the project's mandate to debunk UFO sightings. He was also critical of its procedures, judging the Blue Book staff grossly inaccurate communication with outside scientists appalling its technical methods, nothing less than tragedy. Feeling unpanning was mutual and an unpublished manuscript unearthed by biographer O'Connell. Air Major Hector Quintel, Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-I-L-A-A, who headed the project from 1963 to 1969, writes a, a considered the Hendrick why did he stick around? Now, Hendrick offered a number of explanations, but most, but most probably wrote, Blue Book had a store of data as poor as they were. My association with it gave me access to those data. If Hendrick offered, if Hendrick offered angered UFO bunkers with like Condrill, he didn't always please believers either. 1969, for example, he went to Michigan to investigate multiple bolts a strange lights in the sky. When he offered a theory that it might have been an optical illusion involving swamp gas, he moved, found himself widely derided in the press and swamp gas became a punchline for the paper, newspaper cartoonist. More seriously, two Michigan congressmen, including Joel R. Ford, who later became president, took umbrage with apparent insult on their citizens, state citizenship and called and called for a congressional hearing. To testify in the May hearing, Henrik saw an opportunity to plead a case he'd been making to the Air Force for years, but with little success. Specifically, it's my opinion the body of data accumulated since 1948 does more scrutiny by a civilian panel of physical and social scientists for the express purpose of determining whether a major problem really exists. Hendrik soon got his wish. Oh, so it seemed. Now facing greatest community in Congress, the Air Force established a civilian committee of scientists to investigate UFOs, chaired by University of Colorado physicist Dr. Edward U. Condon, C O N D O N, Heinrich, who would have not been on the committee, was hopeful at first, but he lost faith two years later when the committee issued some known as the Condon's report. He called the report rambling and poorly organised and condon condonons in directory summary singly slated. The report cited numerous UFO sightings in which researchers couldn't explain. It colluded a further extensive study of UFOs probably cannot be justified. It is exactly what Hendrick could 
would have wanted. The following year, 1969, Blue Book, Project Blue Book was shut down for good. The end of the Blue Book provided a turning point for Hendrick, as Connor writes. He found himself suddenly liberated from the frustrations, compromises and bullying of the US Air Force. He was a free man. Meanwhile, sighting continued around the world. Year first, Hendrick later quipped, apparently did not read it, the condemned report. He went on with his research. In 1972, published his first book, The UFO Experience. Among its contributions in the field, he introduced Hendrick's classifications of UFO incidents he called Close Encounters. Close Encounters the first meant UFOs seen as close range. Enough range to make out some details. In a close encounter of the second kind, the UFO had a physical effect such as scorching trees, frightening animals, or causing car motors to suddenly cock out. In close encounters of the third kind, witnesses reported seeing occupants in or near a UFO, though less remembered now. Hank also provided three classifications for the more distant encounters. It involved UFOs seen at night, not till lights, during the day, daylight disc, or on radar screens, radio or visual. The most dramatic of Hendrix's classifications, close accounts of third kind, would of course become the title of Steve Silverberg's movie, released in 1977. O'Connell reports that Hendrick was paid $1,000 for the use of the title, another £1,000 for the rights to use stories from the book, and $1,500 for three days of technical consulting, hardly winful by Hollywood standards. He had a brief cameo in the film, playing old struck scientists when the alien craft comes into close view. In 1978, Hendrick retired from teaching, but he continued to collect and emulate UFO, evaluate UFO reports under the suspicions of the Centre of UFO Studies, which was founded in 1973. The organisation continues to this day. Hendrick died in 1986 at the age of 75. He's of a brain tumour. He hadn't solved the riddle of UFOs, perhaps more than anyone else. He was trying to solve that riddle in a legitimate scientific pursuit. The main thing I got from my father in the whole thing was how important it was to keep an open mind to his son, Joel Hendrick, who is a radio, young radio ham, ham, young ham radio operator. He used to call many of his father's witnesses interviews. He kept saying, you know, we don't know still every, everything there's, there is to know about the universe. There, could be aspects of physics we don't haven't gone upon yet.